chapter number 43. Had so much to pack in service last Sunday that I kind of left you hanging. And, uh, but anyway, we are in the third part of a three-part series, if you haven't figured it out yet. So uh, this is part three and the conclusion of what we began a couple of Sundays ago. Isaiah chapter number 43, we'll begin reading with verse number 89. The word of the Lord says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God said, I will do a new thing and it's going to spring forth. Will you not know it? Father, we thank you today, Lord, that you are into the new, Father. There are, Lord, that you are never stale or stagnant, but Father, you're always moving from glory to glory to glory. And Father, I just pray today that you'll help us, Lord, to be in on that that you have for us for the coming year. Let your anointing rest upon us today. Lord, help us to receive the word. May we uh, uh, apply it to our lives for the glory of God. We ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, as I've said to you the past couple of weeks, at the end of every year, I spend a little bit of time and I start asking the Lord for what he wants for us at New Bethel for the coming year. Sometimes God gives me direction and sometimes uh, he doesn't. But this uh, past year, as I was seeking the Lord in October and especially in November about what God had for New Bethel for 2010, uh, the Lord gave me one word. He didn't give me a bunch of words. He didn't give me a lot, but he gave me one word, and the one word that God gave me was the word change. And so I believe that 2010 for New Bethel will be a year for change. Now, evidently, this word not only defines our future, but also the future of many others. Uh, It seems uh, that about everywhere I turn, I hear this word change. Uh, Other ministries are saying the same thing. I've had uh, people in our church who are associated with some other ministries outside of New Bethel. They say, Pastor, it's incredible. Uh, uh, Our theme in our ministry for for the coming year is the word change. And uh, I didn't get with them. They didn't get with me. Uh, But it's the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Individuals are coming to me and, and, uh, and they're confirming that they too have heard the same word from the Lord for their life. The other day I was driving on the interstate and I saw a giant billboard of a certain ministry with the word change as their theme for 2010. I think we better get ready for it. Uh, Change is coming. Now, once again, let me say that I I don't have any specifics this morning, and I don't have an agenda. Now, I know that's hard for some church people to believe because they think that pastors and preachers are always, they've got an agenda, and they're everything they're doing. There's an underlying thing, and they're headed in a certain, well, you know, I'm just not that smart. And I don't have any hidden agendas or anything this morning. I'm telling you from the depth of my heart and God being my witness that I simply heard from the Lord that 2010 was going to be a year for change. God didn't give me a list of five or ten things that he wanted me to change or that would be changing. He simply spoke the one word to me. 
Seldom, if ever, does God give me details. Usually, He just gives me enough to get me started. And after I obey Him, and after I get on the road that He wants me to be on, only then does He then begin to unfold to me the bigger picture and unfold His plan to me. Well, the first thing that we need to do is just simply to begin preparing ourselves for change. And I'm beginning this process of preparation simply by talking about change. This is the third Sunday in a row that we're talking about change. We're making an acrostic with this word change. And so far we've talked about the first four letters of this word. I'm going to take about five minutes this morning and review, get everybody on the same page, and then we'll go to the last two and we'll be finished with this little message. For the C in the word change, uh, I use the word courage. Courage. How many understand this morning it takes courage to change? Because most people are into maintenance. And most organizations are into maintenance. Uh, Just trying to hang on. Just trying to get by. Happy and satisfied with status quo. Oh, don't rock the boat. Don't take any risk. I'll just keep oiling the machinery. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, is their motto. It takes courage to change. That's why most people and most churches don't. Well, for the letter H in the word change, in our acrostic, I'm using the word hindrances because there will always be hindrances to change. Because, you see, people like for things to stay just like they are. Even if things aren't very good, they still like to see things stay just kind of like they are. We talked about three of the many hindrances to change. The first one is preference. Preference. You see, when people uh, oppose something, it's not usually because there's something wrong with the proposal. They just have a different idea. They have a different preference. Another hindrance to change we talked about is power. Well, pastor, you know, if we make a change, I might lose my position. Oh, oh, pastor, I'm on board with change as long as it doesn't apply to me or my ministry. And another hindrance to change is pride. Pride, somehow we think that if we change something that we are admitting that we were doing something in the past, what we were doing was wrong. But no, my friend, it doesn't mean that was wrong. It was great. It was wonderful for its time. But it is a new time. It is a new day. Amen. And now it is time for God to do something new and something fresh in and through our lives. For the A in the acrostic of change, I use the word anxiety. You see, change can be very, very scary. I know firsthand that change can be scary. God has called me out of my comfort zone several times in the past 37 plus years of full-time ministry. And every single time I was scared to death. Somebody said, if what you feel God calling you into doesn't scare you to death, then God's probably not in it. You want to know one way to discern the will of God? Does it scare you to death? It's probably God. You see, God is much more interested in our character than He is our comfort. 
And then for the end, and our acrostic of the word change, when I use the word necessary, necessary, nothing remains the same. Therefore, change is absolutely necessary. And you see, anything that isn't changing, it's either dead or it's obsolete. And last Sunday, I gave you three things that happens to us when we don't change. The first thing is we grow stagnant. And then we grow stale. And then we begin to stink. We're talking about change again today. I'm declaring 2010 a year for change. There will be change in our church. There will be change in us as individuals. You see, this is not only about us as a corporate body, us as a church body, a church family. But I believe that God is calling each and every one of us, all of us individually into change. I think God is going to ask change in every one of our lives this year. There will be change in our church. There will be change in us as individuals. There will be change in our world. Friend, I don't know if you know it or not, but these are the last days. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Oh, from such people, he says, turn away. And friend, unless you have had your head buried in the sand, you have noticed quickly how our world is changing, and it's not all for the better. What once was sacred is now mocked, and what once was respected is now criticized, and what once was secure is now insecure, and on and on I could go this morning. I'm telling you, the change is ahead in the coming year. All right, we're up to, everybody's on the same page now. That took me two Sundays. Let's look at the next letter in this acrostic of the word change for the G. Brother Harold, do you know what word I'm going to use? He's been trying to figure out each one of these. Brother Harold, do you know what G is today? Do you have a, you have a, not sure about that one. All right. For the G, in our acrostic of the word change, I'm using the word gamble. Gamble. Don't really like that word in church, but I couldn't find another G that said what I wanted to say, so... How many understand there's risk involved in change? When a person suggests change, they risk a lot of things. It's risky to change. And it's risky to suggest change. Let me just mention six this morning. Six risks involved in change. The first one is ridicule. If you suggest change, you risk ridicule because people love to poke holes in other people's ideas. We love to second guess the uh, coach, don't we? We love to. Love to second guess the coach. We love to second guess the pastor. Amen. People love, they love to poke holes in other people's ideas. You want to do what? Are you crazy? It'll never work. 
ridicule. If you suggest change, you also risk rejection. No, we will not do that. We're not even willing to try. I've been in that first church of the Frigidaire when their theme song is, their theme song is, I shall not be moved. It's risky business to change. It's risky business to suggest that there's going to be change or that we need change. The third risk, number three, is rebuke. Who in the world are you to tell us we need to change? We're doing this before you ever got here. We initiated this, not you. And you're no better than we are. Why should we listen to you? And don't you know whose toes you are stepping on by suggesting this change? And another risk is, number four, reputation. When you suggest change and implement change, you risk your reputation. You see, if this change doesn't work, you're going to look foolish. You're going to have egg all over your face. You're going to lose the respect of the people. What they were doing before wasn't working either, but that's another story. And number five, it's risky to implement change and suggest change because number five, replacement. (laughs) The risk of replacement. If the change you implement doesn't work, you might be replaced by somebody else. And number six is ruin. You see, change that doesn't work can be the ruin of yourself and your organization. You can literally ruin yourself or ruin your organization if you make the wrong Change. Change is risky. It's risky. That's why most people don't do it. How many of you remember when Coca-Cola came out with that brilliant idea to change their recipe for Coke? They called it New Coke. How many remember that? New Coke. New Coke tasted like a weak Pepsi. My opinion, it didn't fly. It was a failure. It nearly bankrupted Coca-Cola. It was a fiasco. Remember? And when New Coke failed, somebody had a brilliant idea. And it really was a brilliant idea, not just for what they did, but for what they added to. And what they did was, somebody had the brilliant idea, well, new Coke isn't selling, the people hate it, nobody likes it, all we're hearing is complaints, nobody's buying it, we're going under, let's bring back the original recipe for Coca-Cola and call it Coke Classic. Now, some of you young people, you think it's always been Coke Classic. No, no, no. No, it hadn't always been Coke Classic. In fact, some of us old-timers remember it wasn't even Coke. It was Coca-Cola, huh? 
And they had a brilliant idea. Let's bring back the original recipe for Coca-Cola. But let's call it Coke Classic. And Coca-Cola became Coke Classic only after New Coke failed. And not only did Coke Classic save Coca-Cola from bankruptcy, but Coke Classic has outsold the original Coca-Cola many times over. For the letter G, I'm using the word gamble. Change doesn't come with a money-back satisfaction guarantee. There's risk involved in change. Change is a gamble. Let's make a quick acrostic with the word risk. I'm into acrostics today, all right? My son-in-law says, you don't preach sermons, you preach series. For the R in the word risk requires faith. It requires faith. It took faith on the part of Esther to break the law and to go before the king and plead for her people. And obviously Esther had counted the cost because she said in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, I will go into the king which is against the law. She knew it was against the law for her to go before the king. But she said, I will go to the king which is against the law. And she said, if I perish, I perish. But she wanted to help her people. Amen. She was willing to take a risk, even risking her life. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to perish trying. I'm going to perish taking the risk to help my people. It took faith on the part of the leper in Matthew 8 to approach Jesus for healing. You see, lepers were forbidden by law to come within so many feet of a non-leprous person. They were to cry out, unclean, unclean. You're in the presence of someone who is is unclean. And yet this particular leper found uh, had enough faith to believe that Jesus could cleanse him of his Leprosy, he had enough faith. He was willing to risk. You see, people without faith won't take a risk. I said, people without faith, they won't take a risk. They will be content with status quo. Oh, as long as they have just enough to get them by. They're into what's safe. They're into what's stable. They're into what's secure. They're into what is simple. They never lose, but they seldom really win. For the I in our acrostic of the word risk, risk involves work. Risk involves work. You see, some people never change because they're lazy. I'm not going to fluff it up for you this morning. It takes work to change a process. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes planning. It's easier to just keep the old systems and the old procedures and the old programs in place and just keep on going around and around and around and around the same old circle. Oiling the machinery is easier than designing a new machine. Wow. For the S in our acrostic, risk. The S, risk secures you a place at the front of the line. Every time, risk will secure you a place at the front of the line. It reminds me of another line. There were two giant signs, and one sign said, Henpecked Husbands. 
And the other sign said, non-henpecked husbands. And the line behind the henpecked husbands was out the door. And there was just one little old fella standing behind the line of the, in the line of the sign that said, non-henpecked husbands. Little old guy standing there trembling. Someone asked, someone came up to him and said, man, I'm really, this is awesome, man, I'm really impressed. Look at that long, long line, oh, behind the henpecked husband line, but you're the only fellow, you're the only one brave enough to get behind the non-henpecked husband line. He said, this is where my wife told me to stand. Risk will secure you a place at the front of the line. And very few people are willing to get in this line. I, I can point to at least three, three places in my ministry where I took a risk. It took a risk. It was risky for me to do it. It was risky for me to do it. It was risky for me to go. And no one was standing in the line when I stepped up to volunteer. Let's go on this morning for the K in our acrostic of the word risk. Risk keeps you moving forward. Momentum is your best friend. Momentum is your best friend. As long as things are progressing, as long as things are growing, as long as things are moving forward, your organization remains healthy. But when you lose momentum, when you stop moving forward, things turn inward and then you're into trouble. And friend, I don't know about you, but I'd rather fail trying than to succeed at standing still. Hold the fort has never been my theme song. Someone said, if what you did yesterday still looks big to you today, then you haven't done much today. After winning his third world championship, pro uh, bull rider Tuff Hedeman didn't stop to celebrate. He immediately went to Denver to the very next rodeo. And the media couldn't understand it. They said, you've just won the, 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 the world championship. Aren't you going to take time to celebrate? Aren't you going to take some time off? Oh, Hedeman said to the media, the bull will not care what I did last week. The bull won't take a vacation. We're talking about change this morning. Change. 2010 will be a year for change. And change will require courage. And there will be hindrances to change. And anxiety all comes along with change. And change is necessary. And change is a, game, is a gamble. It doesn't come with a satisfaction money back guarantee. And finally the E in our acrostic of this word change today. Change can be exciting. I don't know about you, but I like change. I like change. (laughs) New people, new places, new projects, new paths, new pinnacles, new pleasures, new positions, new possibilities, new possessions, new privileges, new prizes, new progress. Change can be exciting. 
I can remember how exciting it was for me when I, how after the, at the ripe old age of 17, I finally became a married man. Oh, I can remember how excited I was when I changed from being just a husband to becoming a father. And I can remember how excited I was when I changed from just being a husband and a father to becoming a grandfather. Oh, change can be exciting. Change opens up new doors that were never open to us before. Change offers us new challenges. Change offers us the opportunity for personal growth. Oh, I love the story of the man who attempted to climb Mount Everest. And three times he attempted to climb Mount Everest and three times he failed. The third time that he failed. At the bottom of the mountain, he looked up at Mount Everest and he pointed his finger at the mountain. And he said, you defeated me once and you defeated me twice. Yes, you even defeated me three times. But I want to tell you something, mountain. I will be back and I will climb you and I will conquer you because you can't get any bigger, but I can. Wow. Change offers us the opportunity to climb to a higher level in our lives. Higher than we've ever climbed before. Daily when I talk to God. Daily when I cry out to God. I say, God, take me a little bit higher. God, take me to a new plateau. Take me to a new level. Take me somewhere I've never been before. Involve me in something I've never been involved in before. Open a door for me that has remained closed for me uh, in the past. God, I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to plateau. I don't want to stop growing God. I want to keep growing in you. That ought to be our prayer this morning. Can you imagine how excited Jacob was when God changed him? No longer will you be Jacob. Sneaky, sly, schemer. Oh, now on you'll be Israel, prince with God. Can you imagine how excited Saul of Tarsus was to be changed from Saul, a hater of the early church, a persecutor of the early church. He was there when they stoned Stephen to death. Oh, he endorsed this kind of treatment upon the early church. And yet after the change that took place within him in his Damascus Road experience, Saul was changed to Paul. No longer will he be a persecutor of the church, but now he'll be a promoter of the church. Oh, he will be the head honcho the chief apostle and Paul ended up doing more for the good for the church than any other man change friend can be exciting September the 18th 2005 we started having two Sunday morning services at the time we were having between 180 and 200 people on a Sunday morning today because we were willing to make the change 
And go to two services today, today, this day, today, we'll have somewhere between 325 and 375 people this Sunday morning. Twice as many people as before. Change can be exciting. What lies ahead for New Bethel, I don't know for sure. I have some ideas. Oh, I have some things I'd like to see. I have some dreams. I have some visions. Amen. I do, I do, I do. Well, but I haven't prayed them totally through yet. I don't know all that is ahead for us. Amen. But this one thing I do know this morning, and that is the God that led us to where we are today. Oh, I know this this morning. The God that rescued this church from near collapse seven years ago is the same God that is still on His throne today. It's the same God that is preparing our future and yes he is preparing our future because he said in Jeremiah 29 11 I know the plans I have for you says the Lord all oh, their plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a future and a hope let me talk to you this morning New Bethel buckle your seat belts I said buckle your seat belts exciting times are just ahead for New Bethel it's not a day for us to write our memoirs friend our story is not even close amen to being ended amen I'm telling you this morning that the best years for New Bethel are just ahead. I'm telling you friend there's exciting times. Exciting things are just around the corner. Amen. Change is coming. God's going to do something new. God's going to do something fresh. And I want to be right in the middle of it. Give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. I can have the worship team back in place this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Friend, the best years for New Bethel are still ahead. Oh, our future is so bright. You better buy you some shades. Amen. Let me tell you what it is today. Let me tell you what, what, what I need you to know this morning. It's a day for us to seek God. It's a day for us to seek God. It's a day for us to listen to the voice of God. It's a day for us to prepare ourselves. Get ready. Get ready for it. Get ready. Get ready. Because it's coming. Get ready. Be prepared. Amen. If it slips up on you, you're really dense. Because I've tried to warn you three weeks in a row. I don't know what it is. And I'm honest. God, strike me down right now. This morning, I'm ready to go. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm not. I'm not. But I know in my spirit it's coming. And I want us to be prepared and ready for it. And not only prepared and ready for it, but I want us to say, yes, Lord, let's go with it. Because if it's God, it's going to take us places. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this morning, please pray for me daily. You want a better preacher? Pray better. Amen. You want him to have more compassion? You pray, you'll have more compassion. Amen. You want him to be directed? You want him to hear from God? You pray, he'll hear from God. Amen. Pray for me daily. 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 I pray for you daily. Pray for me daily, daily. God will speak to me. God will give me clear direction for the coming year. Amen? And pray for yourself. Pray for yourself that God will reveal to you the changes that He wants to take place in your life. It's not all about New Bethel making changes. God has some changes for you in your life. 
Amen. Last Sunday, I had you stand and lift your hands as an act of surrender and asking God what it is that He wants you to change. Some of you hadn't thought about it since last Sunday. Let me just encourage you again this morning to ask God, God, what is it? What is it about my life? What is it about me that, Lord, you've put up with it for a long time. You're long-suffering, but, Lord, you've said, now, that's enough. Time to make a change in that area. Maybe you're stuck at some level. You've been at that level for many, many years, maybe. It's time to step to that next level. Go where you've never been before. Let God do in and through you what he's never done before. Would you stand with me in the presence of God today? Everyone standing, please. Glory to God. Father, Lord, there's an excitement in the air. Lord, it's in my heart. It's in my spirit. The people that were here yesterday in the praise and worship seminar left with an excitement in their heart, with an anticipation as they met their new leader and as he shared his heart with them. I'm sure the same was as well in, in the youth and in the children as well. I want you to pray this prayer this morning. I'm just going to get out of the way and let you pray it this morning. But I just want you to pray it this morning. And you've got to mean it or or don't pray it. Don't humor me this morning. But but if you can at all and feel like you should, would you just ask the Lord to take you personally to that next level? For the Lord to just take you to a next level in Him. Do in and through you what you've only hoped for. Maybe you haven't even had enough to hope for it, but... God, take me to the next level. Lord, I, I don't want to, I, I'm tired of being plateaued. I'm tired of being where I'm at. I'm tired of being stale and stagnant and stinky. Maybe you're not even there, but maybe you're just really, really, really got a great relationship with God, but there's always that next level. There's always that next place that God can take us to. A couple of, just a couple of seconds here this morning, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Just pray that prayer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lead you in it. I just want you to do that. Just in your own heart, with your li- own lips, In your own words, God, take me to that next level. Take me, Lord, to that next step. God, I want to go on an adventure with you, God. I'm ready to change in the area of my life that you want to see changed. Praise you, Jesus. We do have a a time constraint in the first service. I apologize for that. Nothing we can do about that. But I do want to take the time this morning. If you have a need of any kind, I want you just to step out in the aisle right next to your seat. not going to take time to bring everybody to the altar, but I want everyone to have an opportunity to be prayed for.